Up From Work podcast. My name's Dave Swillam. Let's get ready to hustle. Okay. Welcome back to the Waking Up From Work podcast. This is episode 115 of the show. Really happy to be doing back-to-back episodes this week. I know this is no uh, no change of pace to Jim here, who I've gone on tonight because he podcasts like a million episodes in a day. But back-to-back this week with interviews with creatives. If you're new to the show, this is where we get to work, making work a passion living, creative, full-time, interviewing entrepreneurs, small businesses, musicians, artists, creatives, and content creators, going over, living the life that you want to live, doing what you want to do. And uh, I had the opportunity to meet Jim on one of his podcasts, but he does a lot of podcasting and we'll get into that. I had the opportunity of being on Jim's podcast, the newest one that he's starting up here called the Influencer Authority. If you're tuning in live, you can see that in his background right there. And that conversation got me really pumped up, just vibing from him. Love, love some of the things that he was bringing up that I wanted to have him come on here and share his story, which if you've been listening to the show, you hear that happens quite a bit. Usually I, I get energized by people and uh, this cross collaboration stuff happens a lot because people pump me up and I want to know about stuff. I want to know more about them. So welcome. I've got Jim Chester from the Influencer Authority also is a marketing journalist who has backed some really big podcasts, done podcasting since like, I think you said 2017 last time we talked and Mm -hmm. done over like 900 episodes or a thousand episodes of podcasts. And the newest, this Influencer Authority is like the newest thing where you're like proof of concept. I'm going to start this thing again and see if this thing works again that I've been doing. But uh, Jim, like, welcome to the show, man. We've been chatting a little bit beforehand about like your recent trip and stuff like that. But welcome to the show and uh, interested to hear more about the little tidbits that you just gave me about all of this. Like, welcome, man. Hey, you know, for me, it's a pleasure to be here. And the more that we can cross-pollinate brand and the more that we can uh, interconnect stories with your brand, my brand, your audience, my audience, I think that that's really where the gold is. And this day and age of uh, storytelling. Yeah. And uh, being on your show is a real pleasure. So thank you. Glad to have you, man. So, because I, I was wrong, people who are listening to the show right now, I was like prepping for this. And I was like, all right, I'm going to say, like, I always have like kind of a really brief intro that I give for people to just summarize it to let them blow it up. But when I was giving that with Jim, I thought that Jim was a chiropractor because he helped make the number one chiropractor podcast out there, Cairo Hustle. Uh, but he's not a chiropractor at all. He is a marketer and journalist. So like, do you want to talk to me like Jim? Like, cause I clearly didn't even know what you were up to and you're up to all these different things here. Like how did this start in like 2017, you getting into this stuff or like, how did all of these different things happen? And then there's other stuff that I definitely want to know about later on? Like, what's what's the story? How did Influencer Authority happen and all of these things that you've been working on happen? Well, thank you for being interested, number one. I am. Um, number two, the story starts 12 years ago, 13 years ago now. 
I grew up in Davenport, Iowa. It's the birthplace of chiropractic. Hmm. And a lot of people don't know that. The profession started in Davenport, Iowa, September 18th, 1895. Interesting. So it's 125 years young. And I was bartending at the time and working at a piano bar, shaking martinis. And I had a door guy named Matthew Walker. Well, Matt was going to college to become a chiropractor. You know, I'm 30 years old. I'm at the top of my game. I'm doing a really good job in my local market. But, you know, the big fish in a small pond type mentality is like, I could, I could do no wrong. Sure. And he's like, why don't you come up and help me open up my chiropractic office in Arlington Heights, Illinois, which is a Northwest suburb of Chicago. Okay. And I'm like, dude, I don't know shit about chiropractic other than the fact that when I get adjusted, I feel better. And he's like, that's perfect. I'll train you up on everything you need to know. And so I'm sorry, who is this individual that you're connecting with on that? That's just someone you met from your bartending gig? He was working the door at the the bar I was working at. So he was the guy that did IDs and took like money from people to come into the club. Yeah. Okay. So we became friends. Um, He actually blew his knee out playing rugby. And I was, I became a closer friend to him because he was less capable of taking care of himself. So yeah. I would I would just go make sure the dog was out and if he was hungry or I would like schedule to make sure that he was getting food or whatever it was. Like I just became closer. We we'd sit around and watch Sunday football and just he asked me one day while we were sitting around watching football, he's like, Hey, if you could do one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? Hmm. And he knew that I was into journalism because that was what my my degree was in. And he's like, I was like, you know what, Matt? I think if I could do anything I want to do the rest of my life, I'd probably make documentary films. Mm. And he's going to, he's like, well, I'm going to see to it that that can happen. Mm. And anyways, we start becoming closer and he's like, I'm going to finish school. You should come help me run this office. Well, one of the assignments that I had was going around and doing these uh, chiropractic uh, success stories, these uh, testimonials with patients. For school, for the, schooling no for marketing okay um so i was doing these little marketing snippets of what was your life like before chiropractic what was your life like now and would you recommend your friends and family to this clinic sure so i was doing these like little outtakes where people will line up like 10 testimonials for me a day and i'd come and film these things well what i realized is there's a real powerful like these stories i was capturing as being this neophyte within like this profession with just a camera and a, a, a light kit. And I, 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 would, I was going out and getting these stories from people. And I was like, wow, there's a bigger story to this. Hmm. So not only was I working inside of an office and clinically trained to like do rehab with people now at this point, but yeah. I was also getting like this like inside story of like the power of what this chiropractic lifestyle was doing for people. And I was like, well, if I can do anything, I'm going to create a documentary on this profession. Hmm. So we actually uh, built out the first ever chiropractic documentary back in like 2016. And I just fell in love with like the whole movement of what chiropractic meant and the healing art associated with it. And I mean, ever since then, I've just been fascinated with the, the whole profession. So I've studied 
the history of the profession, all of the, like the founding fathers of the profession. And uh, each practitioner does everything a little bit different, which also makes it super unique. Sure. But what I realized is that chiropractic was the world's largest healing art. And it's not in the same paradigm of healthcare. It's a standalone profession that is, in my quotations, is care of health. So it actually cares for people's health. And healthcare is a misnomer, in my opinion, that has been bought and sold by the pharmaceutical and drug industry. Fair. And I just have been supporting this profession now for the past 12 years, and it's been somewhat powerful just because I've found something to really tether myself to that I could believe in. Yeah. And when you have a creative force, which is, you know, somebody has some vision and you put them into an ecosystem of people that have been really um, misconstrued and uh, subjected to, you know, discrimination, the American Medical Association, um, if you guys want to do some research, it's called the Chester Wilk Trial. But if you go and look at the Chester Wilk trial, the American Medical Association put a smear campaign towards chiropractic. And mm. they try to actually like erase the profession. Because here's the real story. Interesting. There's, there's no money in health. There's only money in sickness. So the chiropractic profession has always gone against the grain of making people healthy, which has no need for drugs or surgery. Right. So they became very unfavorable to the big agenda, which was the pharmaceutical industry owning all medical association. So when I started to realize that, I understood the nucleus of the division of the healthcare arena. And I realized that chiropractic wasn't a part of healthcare. Mm. And that's why, you know, after 272 like actual shows, 273 actual shows of Cairo Hustle and pushing like a thousand episodes, like complete like interviews. I've talked to that many chiropractors, but I'm also not a fool to say that, you know, there isn't a, a, there is not only a place for chiropractic. There's also a place for drugs and surgery, crisis care. Sure. Like there is a spot why you know, if somebody like hurts themselves, you break your leg, the, the broken leg's got to be fixed. Stuff's yeah, got to happen to fix yeah, a broken leg, yeah, right? Yeah. Trauma care is different than lifestyle care. Yes. But the problem is, is that there's a pill, a potion, or a lotion for every lifestyle thing to manage. When really, I believe that if the chiropractor just became the port of entry, they would be the referral source for least invasive first. Like, see if we can fix it with our hands. Why does that make sense? And then if we can't actually get some solutions with this, now we'll refer out to the people that do drugs. And then we'll refer out to the people that do surgery. Because, you know, people do have uh, limitations of matter within their body. And over time, if they don't take care of it and it's arthritic or it's degenerative or it has some type of like entrenched condition, like, yeah, you can't adjust away diabetes. You can't adjust the way heart disease. You can't adjust the way, you know, some of these entrenched illnesses that people get over time, you know, right. whatever that, whether it's a autoimmune condition or whether it's some type of a virus. But, you know, as I've gone through this whole path, I've realized that no matter what you're dealing with, the chiropractic adjustment helps with your uh, HRV, which is your heart rate variability. 
and they have research out there that shows this. Um, it helps with people's uh, blood work, pre and post adjustment. They've done blood work studies with people and shows that it actually has better white blood cell count to actually like fight off stuff. Sure. And, uh, you know, it, they've also done research to show like over time, if you're under consistent chiropractic care, it changes the curve of your spine. And you're supposed to have three ideal curves in your spine. So the rabbit hole went really deep with me. But I realized also is that when people lose the curve of their neck, it actually cuts off their vital lung capacity. And it actually takes off 15 years of life expectancy. So there is a correlation with curves in your spine and spinal health with actual like vital lung capacity and longevity of living. So when I started to understand that there was like a huge scientific approach to this, then I started to realize what, how much validation there was from the person that would go to the chiropractor from cradle to grave rather than the one that would go in for just patch care. Right. Like check out, I'm, I'm going to throw this right up on the screen right here. Ryan, <laughs> I have found a big advantage of getting my back adjusted. Absolutely. Like, and I, and I know what you're saying. Like people, um, thank you, Ryan, by the way, like totally like there's a, there's a huge difference with people that are like, Oh shit. I don't feel good. And then they go and do something versus, and this is what you're talking about, proactive health versus like reactionary. And I think that that stems out into literally everything that we run into. Like, I'm not going to go down like every rabbit hole, but it's just like, I'm finding that, that a lot of things that are proactive are industries that are smothered. And then industries that are reactionary are supported because there's so much more money in reactionary than there is in proactive, right? And and uh, but I think that I understand what you're saying in terms of that too, where it's just like if we could do a lot of things that just make it so our body run runs really well consistently, instead of just like when something's wrong, just like putting a bandaid on it. That's just a total different way to go about everything. Well, I think you're saying some stuff there that has some real validation. And when I basically fast forward to two documentaries on the profession and speaking on stages in front of large audiences of chiropractors and becoming somewhat of an influence inside of this little ecosystem, which are a, a family of doctors. So I've actually, you know, I talk to a doctor every day. So by doing this, um, you're spot on, like it's a lifestyle. And, you know, no one else is going to wake up in the morning and become inspired for you. Mm. No one else is going to feed you better food, but you, mm. no one else is going to put the miles in on the trail or go to the weight room or do the yoga, but you like, you have to become inspired for yourself and yes. you have to become somebody that is uh, interested in a better quality of life. Like we all know that person that didn't take care of themselves and they limp around and they're pissed off at the world. Right. And you can be that. Like that can be you. Anybody can have that. But you can also choose to say prayers every day, do affirmations, meditate, eat well, exercise, get hydrated, and have positive relationships with your friends and your family and your colleagues. Like right. those, those are real possibilities. You can work on your business. Like you can have all that. You know, no one's going to wake up and do that for you. You have to do that for yourself. So when we, think about, when we think about chiropractic, we can't put all responsibility on the doctoring system either. 
I don't think there's, yeah, definitely. I definitely not even, not, not much at all. Like I, I think responsibility when you have someone that's like a person that you are trusting for information, they tell you something and it goes badly because it was the wrong choice. That's a responsibility where like not Jim and also not throwing on like chiropractor. I'm just saying like, say you go to a doctor, doctors are, are human beings. They, they're doctors that make mistakes. You know what I mean? There's responsibility there, but like, if you don't go to the doctor or you don't like solve a problem, every person is ultimately accountable for everything that happens in their life, whether it's good or bad, because we control when we wake up in the morning, what happens that day. And people like to sometimes say that they don't, because that's just an easier, it feels easier. It's just like, it's not my fault that this happened. And it just feels nicer in your mind, but it's like, that it's just not, I don't think that it's always true. I, I think that there's definitely bad things that happen to people. There's definitely things that are freak accidents. And I'm not saying that, you know, that's a 100% certainty thing, but you're 100% right that people need to do their own thing. Like you're, you're, you're responsible for waking up and choosing. Every day is a choice. Every day is a choice whether you're going to move forward or whether you're not. And like there are days where I, I'm like consciously, like me and you were just talking about how friggin' tired we are because we've been both up to some stuff there probably tomorrow i'll probably make a choice to like not do um, anything tomorrow to progress me in like a lot of different things because like i need to recharge but it is a choice every day is a choice and i would agree with you that a lot of it's not on the professional because you have to get in a car and go there and choose what times that happens and what is it too late or is it too early or whatever you're up to well once again, I'm going to turn the page with you. And sure. when, when you turn the page going forward, like some, some common things, like you can't get back the breath you just took. Like you don't get that one back. Mm. Like you only get the next breath. So I, I like, you know, some rappers like make your best next move. Your best move is TI. Like you got to like make your next move, your best move all the time. Yeah. And like being an artist, I'm sure you talk to a lot of artists and musicians. You can't ride on the popular song you made six months ago. You got to continuously right. turn out the next hit. That's right. And that's why collaborations are so popular and why back in the day, like you'd find that person like Rick Rubin, which was like the best producer. And you would work with that producer and they didn't have the bandwidth to work with like multiple acts. Like they helped you for like six months produce LA Woman like the doors or yeah. they helped you for like six months producing at lady uh, electric Ladyland studios with Jimi Hendrix, like, or you would go lock yourself in a, uh, a chateau in France with Led Zeppelin and produce, you know, whole lot of love. So when you're talking about like influences, like, you know, we, we were a culmination of inspiration. Hmm. And you don't get a chance to, like, if you were to get together, like, Led Zeppelin right now, and you're like, hey, write me music like you guys did back in the 70s. They're like, can't do that. Like, We're not us in the 70s at that point in time feeling that way after those experiences hit us in that way. We could never yeah. be that again. But when Robert Plant went off to do his, like, solo stuff and Jimmy Page, which went off to get through their solo stuff, they were never able to replicate what they were able to do as that band Led Zeppelin. Yep. 
So I think that's also something really important for individualists is to mm. understand that your ego sometimes isn't best served. Mm. Like you have to like create, like I was, ta- I was kind of giving you like uh, an interesting analogy about the streets of Las Vegas looking like a Jackson Pollock painting. But when, when you think about like an artist like Jackson Pollock or Vincent Van Gogh, like you can go back and like think about what their impetus was for creating a masterpiece. Whether it's Rembrandt creating the Night Watch or Picasso making some amazing piece of artwork that no one else knows what the heck Picasso was thinking. But now if you think about like purchasing a Picasso, you're like, I don't have the money to do that. Right. Because art and creation becomes timeless. And art and creation is something that you can't put a price tag on. You can't put a price tag on the Mona Lisa or the Sistine Chapel or St. Peter's Basilica or Michelangelo's David. Like these are iconic things. So when we think about a profession that I've been involved with for the past 12 years, you can't buy or sell it. Mm. It's a standalone thing. And I think that that's the part where we have to like understand like what we are able to do. Like I said, you can't get that last breath back. Yep. I love that. Here's another thing is typically speaking, it takes 25 years to become an overnight success. Yes. I say that on here all the time, not that exact year amount, but yes. You have to put the reps in, in order to become somebody of an influence. Yes. And you know, whether you're trying to be a pro pro ball player like, I love those types of stories. Like, how does that one person become that one quarterback on that one team? Well, that one person might have come from a broken home, but the only thing was the escape for that one person was to go out there and play sports. Yep. Or that that one person might have been the one chosen one when the whole family unit that would get like the capability to go play on a traveling ball club. And that one person's grandma took them to Saturday morning practices when no one else is around. But when they podium their senior year, are they captain their team that senior year? They go on to get a scholarship or they go pro. Like you think about all the culmination of people's efforts to turn that one person pro. Yeah, totally. So whether we're talking about like a podcaster or whether we're talking about a creative artist or a musician or an athlete... You don't ever hear the stories about the times when people made those incremental sacrifices to make that person's life to where it is today. I know, because people don't want to hear it. And, and, and many it beca- times. And it becomes forgotten about. And, and, and we don't know how to pay reverence and appreciation to that life that somebody actually like worked hard for and they nurtured that life. Yeah. Um, that's why every time I get on stage, I say the first thing I want you guys to know, I, I want to thank God for the opportunity. I want to thank my mother for making me into the man that I am today. And I want to thank the event coordinator for putting all the blood, sweat, and tears into getting mm. this thing together. Mm. And if you guys don't remember anything else I say the rest of my time on stage today, I want you to remember those three things. Totally. Because I think that we have to lead with our reverence and our admiration and our love before anybody's going to love or care anything about what we have to say. I love that. Yeah. I, I, I get, I get really excited and really passionate about like communication because what I've realized over time is it's the best known will beat the best any day. So consistency is rewarded. And if you outproduce everybody else in your arena, 
people know that you've done a great job. And that's why it meant so much for me to turn our little podcast into the number one show and one vertical. Because if I could do that, that means that influencer authority can be something really special. And I think that that's a part about creation again, that we have to strike while the iron's hot. So let's take a step back then, because I I have known more about what you're up to as I've talked with you more, but people listening may not know. So you're doing these documentaries, right? And that's kind of like you, you've moved, you've gone to the chiropractic field, you're starting up there, you're in that space. You, now you're doing these documentaries and stuff. How exactly did you make that transition, Jim, to the Cairo hustle to that podcast that you started. And then like, how did you end up here? And like, just in all of that, like the communication piece, being a good communicator, I think that is your, obviously a piece of your strength of this is all communication. This is all the new form of communication that you figured so early on in the, in the game. But like, how did, how did we get here on that? I like that question a lot because now I get a chance to acknowledge Luke, who's the partner I've been working with for 10 years. Cool. So when I'm out there doing these uh, testimonial videos, like if you guys want to see my first work, go and search Palmer Rugby Recruiting Video. Okay. And Palmer College of Chiropractic is the first chiropractic college on planet Earth. And it just happens to be in my hometown. And the doc that I was working with was the president of the Palmer Rugby Alumni Trust. No way. And he's like, hey, man. You're going to go down to Daytona Beach and you're going to interview all these chiropractors and all these chiropractic students and you're going to make a recruiting video for Palmer College. Wow. Okay. That was the first creative piece I ever did. Um, That was 14 years ago. Wow. And so for people listening, I will have that in the show notes. I'm going to find that link, Jim. I'll have that in the show notes for people to check out because I'm going to check it out. But it's pretty cool. And what I didn't do, like I can run a camera, I can do audio, I can do lighting, I can interview. I can do the whole thing. But what I don't do, Dave, is I don't do the editing. Hmm. I'm a terrible wrench turner. I can sell anything off the lot, but I'm not the guy. Here, here's one of my great theories is, does the guy that make the car sell the car? Mm-hmm. Hell no. The guy that makes the car don't ever sell the damn car. Mm-hmm. So I'm the guy that sells the car. I don't make the car or maintenance the car. Mm. I I have a whole different perspective on how I do my positioning in the world. So when I was making that first little 16-minute snippet for recruiting, I had to find an editor, somebody that could take the content that I captured and turn it into something special. Smart. So I teamed up with this guy named Ben Winter, really smart guy, lived in Chicago at the time. I don't know what Ben's up to anymore, but he was a great dude, really helpful. And then uh, I actually made a Craigslist ad looking for an editor. Sure. And that's how I met Luke 10 years ago. And uh, we got together and uh, I, I was at his, uh, his mom's house where he was living at the time. And I went down there and I met him and we met at a coffee shop too, but we started uh, just hanging out. And uh, he was tutoring me to become an editor. And I'm like three or five sessions in. I'm like, look, man, I'm going to pump the brakes here. I can't do what you do. And you can't do what I do. I can get you more business than you can, but you can create and finish projects faster than anybody I've ever met. Right. So I was like, why don't we team up? Mm. You're not my tutor anymore. You'll be my partner. Mm. So we actually partnered up. He's living in Brookfield, Illinois, which is 
Brookfield Zoo if anybody wants to go there. But I was uh, living in Rolling Meadows, which is uh, right outside of Arlington Heights. And we'd meet up every once in a while. Anyways, the first year that we worked together, I actually helped him make more money than he made at his like day job. And I uh, just, it was a really good synergy. So I'll get to that part of the story, but Luke eventually moved out to Colorado and uh, we lived in this little 700 square foot apartment right across the street from Denver University. And that's where we birthed Cairo Hustle. Okay. But early on, Luke was like, hey man, I want to make this series of documentaries. I go, I do too. I was like, I can do this stuff. You can do that stuff and we'll team up. So anyways, we were uh, actually, we got full funding for our first three movies through uh, Indiegogo. Very and, cool. And then we got full funding for our second two f- movies through, I believe, uh, Kickstarter. Cool. So we've been fully funded for like five films over the past 10 years. That's and, awesome. Yeah. So we produced f- five films total together over the past 10 years. And most of them were done within like a five-year span. Like we were creating a film a year. Wow. And... uh Anyways, getting into the whole minutia of like being a creative and doing film work, he's like, his genre was uh, paranormal. He's like, I want to, I want to prove to people that ghosts are real. Okay. And I was like, bro, I I was freaking haunted. I know ghosts are real. Yes. So he's like, you're perfect. Let's tell that story and let's go do some investigations. So I was like, dude, as long as you get some prayers together. And you follow a, a strict system because I don't want to take in this stuff with me. So anyways, we found some prayers. Yeah. So every time we'd go do a ghost investigation, we'd say a prayer before and a prayer after. And I actually, I'm an amateur paranormal investigator as well. Damn. I, I, I've gone on like 17 ghost hunts. <laughs> oh my God. So we, made a, we actually made a little mini series and we've produced uh, three feature link, uh, length documentaries called The Ghost Tapes. Hmm. And uh, if you guys go on YouTube, Ghost Tapes, we our first film has over a million views. Whoa. So, That's amazing, man. I'm not a YouTube genius. I'm just a creative guy. And relationships is the real juice. So as you start going through life, you start to say, well, what's next? So I had transferred from working in an office in Chicago to an uh, office in Denver. And throughout that time, I'm like, what can I do to add more value to the chiropractic profession? Because I understand it now. So that's when I was listening to Joe wrote, no, I was listening to Joe Polish. Yeah. Dean Jackson. They had a show called I Love Marketing. And actually, I was going to originally call our show I Love Chiropractic. Hmm. But I was also listening to a lot of this guy named Gary Vanderchuk. Oh. And Gary V was in my head one day. And this is a true story. I'm thinking of calling myself the Chiropreneur Podcast, which is like chiropractic with entrepreneur. I'm thinking of calling ourselves I Love Marketing. So I'm in Denver. I take a bong rip. And I go walk around this park. And I'm listening to Dean Jackson and Joe Polish. And I pause them and I listen to Gary Vee. And I'm like, dude, all I've done was hustle chiropractic. So I was telling you before we started this interview that I understand old school marketing and new school marketing. Yep. Well, a big part of old school marketing was going out to do events, hmm. farmers markets, health expos, street festivals, state fairs, county fairs, car shows, dog shows, 
you name it, wherever they would give me a 10 by 10 booth, yeah. I, would, I would go set up shop and I'd schedule new patients for the chiropractic business. So I, I had to really systemize how I would go out and grow the business yeah. because my job was to go out and do marketing. So I quit working in that office uh, in Denver and I went out and I did 600 of these events in, in the next two and a half years. Jeez. So I single-handedly went out there and scheduled in 3,000 new chiropractic patients in two and a half year time period. That's when I was out there, smoked this bong rip, went and walked around the park. And I was like, it's going to be called Cairo Hustle. Because mm. All Gary Vanderchuk was talking about was hustle, hustle, hustle. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all I've done with chiropractic is work in two clinics, make a movie. And I went out and sold and sold and sold and sold. Like there are months where I would work there's only 30 days in a month. There are months where I'd work 32 events in a month. Sometimes I'd do two a day. Wow. So as I became a sales rep and was clinically trained, made films, I was like, let's start this podcast. So I went out, flew one way to Chicago, picked Luke up, drove Luke out to Denver, and then we started Cairo Hustle. Damn. Luke was the original editor person? Or yeah, Luke he still works the- with me. Ben Winter was the original guy that I worked with on our first project, but Luke's worked on me with everything for the past decade. Wow. Crazy, man. Yeah, and it's... I have uh, obviously spoken about him. A bunch of guests have spoken about Gary. Like That's a huge influence, but uh, he, he does come in when you need like, a dose of that. And uh, he comes in pretty clutch when you need it. You like put the show on and pretty much wherever he's at, like it doesn't even matter over time. It's like you get the dose of what you need from that. Well, I just finished reading this. Yeah, that's, that's an awesome book. And, you know, yeah. I actually feel like Luke and I are like a chapter out of that. Totally. Like it, that hasn't been written yet. Because everybody's like curious about like the next guy or the next group or how do they become who they are. Well, I was, we were driving back from LA and I'm like, look, Luke, the past 10 years, I just finished reading this book. I read John Lee Dumas's book, mm. The Common Path to Uncommon Success recently. And I was just like, look, we are the avatar of the story. Like you and I have been like grinding it out on whatever platform we thought was like the thing to do it on. Yeah. Whether it's YouTube making that first movie, whether it's podcasting whether it's doing Facebook lives, whatever it is, like we haven't stopped. So really, I feel like the missing chapter of this book is Jim and Luke. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he talks about it all the time. Like this is something that I really love about your story, Jim, like with what you're saying, how like that, how you feel like that avatar, because he talks about it all the time when he's telling people to make content on that show. He talks about like lose pizza shop or like blah, blah, blah. Like people, people will work all sorts of different things and they don't understand. And they'll be like, Oh, I don't make content because I'm this thing. So I shouldn't make content. And like, in reality, it's just like his statement, his talk about everyone is radio. Everyone's TV now. Like it couldn't be more true the consumption on podcasts, the consumption on YouTube. And then like, even like we're moving to like just all the streaming for your TV where you're cable cutting. It's like a lot of Roku and stuff. It's like, they're hosting, they're hosting this content too. This is the content and you have lose pizza shop. You're a chiropractor. You're blank. I'm an audio engineer. You're this, you're that. 
everyone can make content if you want to make it. And it can do these types of things where it's amazing, where like we, we may or may not be meeting. And it's because of this thing and all of that cross-pollination, all of those opportunity, but you use this in the chiropractic field. I love watching people in these fields that people would be like, oh, that's a random field to have a podcast. That's a random field to have a YouTube channel. It's like, no, because you find your crew right there. There's a crew of chiropractors all over the place. There's chiropractors. What are they going to listen to? You know what I mean? What are, what's, what are people who own pizza shops or like pizza makers or something or whatever? All these people, they're out there. That crew's there and they need things to be a crew in. So I love that. Can I tell a quick story? Please. So this, here, event, man. this event that I just went out to in LA in Burbank, it was called Chiropractic Rocks. So big shout out to Dr. Adam Del Torto for having me and my team out there and allowing me a little bit of stage time. But the 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 big part of this is, you know, going out there and having an opportunity to network with people is a in my opinion, a big deal, especially because we've all gone through this whole scamdemic of being told that the world's falling apart and we should hate each other, which I couldn't be farther from that. The world is still together and I love all of you. So that's my truth and I'm sticking to it. Sure. Um, but when it, when it came down to this, he, he's been sponsoring our show for the past like year and a half. Awesome. And, and I, yeah, it's pretty cool. Like I was just on a business coach call before I jumped on with you for like, from four o'clock my time to six fifteen six no it's six thirty no it's seven o'clock now I was on with her from four o'clock to five thirty so an hour and a half business coaching call before I jumped on this interview with you and okay one of the things that he was telling me was you know I've talked to a lot of people about your brand Jim. And the problem is, is only two out of 10 know who you are. And I was like, oh, well, that's pretty darn cool. What you're telling me is I'm at the tipping point. So if you guys want to read Malcolm Gladwell's book, Tipping Point, he says that you need about 20% to flip and to double your influence. Mm. So when he thought he was maybe sharing something with me that wasn't such a hot conversation, I looked at it the exact opposite. I looked at it as that I have the eyes and ears and hearts of 20% of this this population. Sure. And there's 60,000 chiropractors in the United States. Right. Each of our each of our episodes gets about 15,000 listens an episode. Wow. So I know that we've done something really special. 100%. But when you think about like traffic compared to like consistency of brand, he's he he basically is like, dude, I don't know how, how long I can sponsor you guys because you guys are only getting two out of 10 people. But what I really started to realize is that we have like the foothold and now we have the potential once you hit that 20% saturation point to quickly go to the next gear and double your influence. Right. So a lot of times what people think is like not a cool thing, really you should reinvestigate a little bit deeper and realize how powerful 20% market share actually is. Oh, stupid. Yeah, that's not a joke at all. That's like what most people want to be at, right? Yeah, and here's the other side of that is you run a podcast and you probably interview people that run podcasts. And how many of those podcasts actually turn themselves into a business and become profitable? Not many. So our our balance sheet for this past month was income of $8,500. Amazing. 
And I'm transparent with that because I know that we can do better. But the business coach is like, so do you really want to run a business? What do you want to do? I'm like, well, we have an ad agency now that runs Facebook ads specifically for this vertical. Mm. And that's why I was telling you off camera that I understand old school marketing, Mm. doing those 600 events in that 36 month period. Now we're running an ad agency doing Facebook ads that has 61 clients under it. Awesome. And we had our first $100,000 a month two months ago. So people want to talk about like two comma awards, like the Russell Brunson stuff with ClickFunnels. Cumulatively, we've generated $5.6 million for our clients since we started 17 months ago. Unbelievable. So when we talk about like rubber meeting the road and people telling the truth, I always tell people this all the time, Dave. People lie, numbers don't. Fact. <laughs> and that's the, the beautiful thing about being an entrepreneur and understanding how to get momentum, but building trust. Like you have to build trust in a network of a community if you ever don't want to go punch a time card for someone else. That's right. And that's what we've been able to do methodically. And that's what 900 to 1,000 episodes of an interview system in a niche market will do for you is it won't make you known, liked, and trusted, Dave. It will make you known, loved, and trusted. Mm. And I think that that's the juice that everybody should be looking for when they're trying to get into a vertical and hyper niche down is go on a goodwill campaign for three years and eat shit sandwiches like Gary Vee would say. Mm -hmm. And then you can actually get to the point where you get that 20% and you can start dictating the rules. Sure. Damn. Yeah. So I guess then let me (laughs) me get to this next part then, Jim, which is when we were on your, when I was on your podcast, that was like me, like I had seen it and um, I was on episode six on it. And I was like, yo, like, thanks for having me on here because this is like you kicking off your podcast. Like that's a huge honor to be in like with your start here. Like I love podcasting and you're like, dude, I have been (laughs) podcasting the shit out of life. This is like my second thing to create uh, past thousands of episodes. I was like, Damn. So how did, so we have all of that happening with Kyra Hustle and all of that pieces of you beforehand. Talk to me about influencer authority. Cause like you just started that up and you were like, I'm starting this as proof of concept. Like what, what's the idea here? Why is this happening? What, why is this what you're about? Well, I, I think when people are creative, um, I went to a creative arts school. Uh, to be a journalist. And cool. going back in time, I finished college in 2002. That makes me 42. Um, so I graduated college like 22 years ago, class of 1997 in high school. So mm. um, if, you, if you guys really want to know how long it takes to like become somebody and something, um, a long time. Mm. Um, but right out of school, I got a job doing uh, journalism uh, for a local newspaper called the Quad City Times. And I was working for another newspaper called the River City's Reader. And I realized that the people that were editing and producing these newspapers, were it wasn't my vibe. And they were changing stuff. And journalism, as we know it today, is very contrived and it's very owned. So I took the, lo- the longest lunch break and known to history and I never came back. And I, and I, and I, and I, and I went out and I, uh, yeah, 
asked a friend of mine for a job and he gave me a job building houses. So I was dead of the winter and I became a framer with a college degree and I started framing houses and cutting lumber and carrying heavy shit and getting on scaffolding and all this ladders and nail guns and circular saws and doing all this like dangerous stuff. And I'm like, you know what? Mm -hmm. I'm going to go deliver pizza. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So I went back in time and I, I took jobs delivering pizza, working in a restaurant, washing dishes, making pizzas, working in a kitchen, uh, waiting tables, busing tables, being a host, being Bartending. a bartender, and mm-hmm. a ballet attendant. Cool. So okay. I, did all, I did all these service industry jobs after I got my college degree, after I worked as a professional. And that's when I started working in chiropractic. So what I realized is that in order for somebody to really um, want to work harder, they have to reinvent themselves. And they have to step away from what's easy. And they have to shift into a new ecosystem. And I was thriving in the restaurant industry. I was thriving in the bar industry. I was thriving in the newspaper industry. But what I realized is that when I got into being a creative, that if I was going to do something greater, which we created a course teaching people how to upstart podcasts and mm. how, to, how to launch. Um, and my podcast coach, the, the marketing guy behind me, his name's Big Marv. Big Marv is like, look, man, if you're going to like go out there and sell this course yeah. and I'm going to run traffic and ads for you, then you have to come up with a new show. And I'm like, can I swear? Absolutely. I'm like, fuck you. I don't want another job. <laughs> and he's like, you have to have another job, Jim. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, what's your new show going to be called? Oh, and he's like, check it out. What's trending right now? I go, well, I think influencers are trending. And I think if you can become an authority in the marketplace, that's trending. He Mm. goes, well, that's it. You're going to call it influencer authority. Mm. And he actually pushed me into the direction to start a new upstart podcast because he, number one, he knew that I have the bandwidth to do it. And number two, I actually think it's really healthy for me because I get to meet people like you now mm. and I get to meet people in other verticals and other interests that yeah. are outside of the silo I created with chiropractic. It's given me uh, not only a creative outlet, which is to meet more new people and to do amazing work and to be able to be a greater storyteller, but it's actually pushed my initiatives to get out of my comfort zone Love and it. to do something I didn't really want to do. Like, I didn't yeah. want to create another show. Yeah, like, I crushed it with this one. Why would I do that again? Like, and back to the things about like a band or back to the things about being an artist. Like, Starry Night was something that wasn't Sunflowers mm. and to go to Van Gogh or, you know, Bleach with Nirvana wasn't Smells Like Teen Spirit. Mm. So when you're thinking about like making music or making art, like Influencer Authority Podcast isn't Cairo Hustle. That's right. But because I got my skills so sharp doing Cairo Hustle for so long, like the new format to me is fun. And it, it gives me a lot more reach to meet amazing people. And really, I think the person with the best story is the most valuable person in the room. Mm. It's not the person with the fast car, the big house, or the wife mm. with the big ring on her hand. Yes. It's the person with the most like Life. heart. Yeah. Living. The most gracious heart 
to to have more value with what they can share with other people. So me being a guest on your show is like the greatest part of my day. I love it. I get a chance to connect with people and I get a chance to see have people see a snapshot of my reality and how the past 22 years have played out for me. And I think that that's the greatest value that I could offer to anybody is my time and my message. Yes. I love... Like I've said it on the show a ton, but I'm an audio engineer. Like I do mixing, mastering for music. And then I've gotten into podcasting because just like you, I've been doing this, you know, for two or three years. But the reason why it's called the Waking Up From Work podcast and I interview all types of creatives, like is for that very reason that you said, like, I, I know that I learn things from all types of creators. So me and you sitting here, I'm an audio engineer, I'm mixing music. You're sitting there, you're doing, you're not, you're doing chiropractic, but you're also doing this. It's just like these different worlds colliding. I just believe like that it's not friction because like we don't have a bad thing happening, but it's like those worlds colliding create like a spark and those, those different things. It's like, it's like chemicals, right? Like you need chemicals to react. It's like you have the same chemical. You're just pouring that in. It's just filling up like a, a beaker of the same chemical, nothing happens. But then when you take the two chemicals and mix them together, all of a sudden there's a reaction, there's stuff happening. I believe in that. I believe that I need to talk to a brewer or chiropractic or podcast content creator, all these different things, because that reaction is what we're fueled by. And I believe that me and you, like both is, is, is that entrepreneur thing. I just understand, like, at least with myself, I feel like you probably are the same way. I like need to have a problem, like a good problem. And it's like you creating a brand new podcast. It's like, you're literally creating a problem. You're like, damn, I have to grow this podcast. It's like, it has to be a different thing. And it's like, if you're too comfortable with anything, you have to just start a problem again. It's like, all right, I got to go do this. And it just makes you create. It makes you like, even like artists and creatives, like you're saying, it's like, they had to be in a mindset where they had a challenge. It might've been a really sad challenge. It might've been something really depressing in their life, but sometimes it's just a straight up challenge. Like you're a little bit poor or you maybe are unhealthy or maybe you're really tired or you're whatever. It's just like creating these things, create booms and busts to have this growth period and have this friction and these things in your life like that. I, I, I get that. I, I want to share a quick quote. This guy on my shirt here, hmm. his, his name is, BJ Palmer. Okay. Um, he is the son of the founder of chiropractic. Mm. His dad's name was Dee Dee Palmer, Daniel mm. David. His name is Bartlett Joshua. Dee Dee originally is from Port Perry, Ontario. The first chiropractor is a Canadian. Mm. And uh, Bartlett Joshua was born in Iowa. Mm. So anyways, BJ wrote these series, these like annals of like the profession. They're called the green books. If you guys ever want to deep, take a deep dive into chiropractic philosophy, go Google, use your Google fingers and hit up BJ Palmer green books. But there's a quote that I wanted to share with you because it really resonates with what we're talking about. And I didn't want to misspeak it, but it says, we never know how far reaching something we may think, say, or do today will affect the lives of millions tomorrow. Mm. And when we're talking about your story, when we're talking about me being able to eloquently speak about chiropractic, mm. whether it's talking about a new medium that's relatively new podcasting, 
documentary filmmaking, sound engineering, the story, the value. We never know how far reaching something that we say might affect some one person, Mm. you know, one person, but it could be millions of people. And I think that that's something that really resonated with me when I first heard that quote. And I want to share with you one more quote. Let me find this Thomas Edison quote. By the way, do you know how many times Thomas Edison tried to make a light bulb before he got it right? Something crazy. He tried to create a light bulb 5,000 times before he got it right. Unbelievable. <laughs> so when people want to Give up. Talk, talk about like how challenging life is or poor me or somebody do it for me, um, think about Edison. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's actually I'm, cool. I'm, I'm actually, this, this half, well, it's turning into a sleeve. The sleeve that I've got tattooed, the next, uh, it's all in, it's, inventions so actually the next thing that's going on here is like a um it's gonna be like the right wing brothers plane but on the front of it is going to be an edison bulb like lighting up like it's flying it into this guy it's just all inventions so i love uh i love creation man so here's a here's a thomas edison quote the doctor of the future will give no medication but will enter his interest his patients in the care of the human frame diet and in the cause and prevention of disease Wow. Edison. Yep. Pretty pretty novel statement there, right? That is unbelievable. I've never I've never heard that. I've never heard that. <laughs> the doctor of the future will give no medicine, but will interest his patients in the care of the human frame in proper diet and in the cause and prevention of disease. Wow. So that's why also I fell so deeply in love with this profession was because it's not the doctor of the future anymore. It's the doctor of the present. Mm. And that's the chiropractor. Mm. Because the chiropractor is definitely helping people with no, no drugs, no surgery. And Dan says, great t-shirt, Dave. Yeah, he designed it. <laughs> nice. This is an artist that I work with all the time, Nick Martinez. Shout out, nice. Nick. And nice. uh, Dan's a graphic designer, so he designed it. Nice. Yeah, see, that's just the thing is some of these people that are on your wavelength and your frequency, now they're on my wavelength and frequency because you took a chance to have me on your show. Mm, I'm glad I did, man. This has been fun. And that that that's just the real value is now I have a friend that lives out in Maine and now you have a friend that lives in Colorado. Hell yeah. And you never know what's possible when people that have creative talent start to co-mingle and when we start to actually like get to know one another. So I think that, you know, whether I'm reading off a quote from Thomas Edison or BJ Palmer, or I'm telling you the story about how we created this show for chiropractic and how we've created an ad agency off of that. But before that, I was doing all this work with like direct sales marketing. Yeah. And I think what we're at right now is we're at a crossroads of communication that anything is possible. Mm. Like we can do anything we want to if we just build a system and a strategy around it. And we believe in it so much that we wake up and just want to do it. Right. And, you know, whether it's the waking up show with Dave or it's the influencer authority show with Jim, like we don't have forever on this earth, man. So we have to do projects that are meaningful. Yes. 
and we have to do work that's meaningful. And that we breath have to, is gone. And we have to work with people that matter. And one of the first books I ever read on entrepreneurship was by a guy named Blake McCoskey. Hmm. And he started the Tom Shoes brand. Hmm. And hmm. It, was called, yeah. it, was, it was called Start Something That Matters. Okay. I had when a pair I, of Toms. And when I first read that book, it was like a huge eye-opener. And then recently, when I was reading more books this past year, I read Phil Knight's book, The, the Story of Nike. Yes. Uh, what is it? It's um, something dog, right? Shoe dog. Shoe dog. Yeah. I have yep. not read it, but I heard so, it's really good. So reading 10 years ago, Start Something That Matters, the guy that creates Tom's Shoes, to now reading Phil Knight, the book on Shoe Dog, which was the creation of Nike. Mm-hmm. None of us are crazy if we believe in it. Mm-hmm. And people will follow us if we just continuously do it. And me coming from Iowa, there's a movie called Field of Dreams. And the famous line in there is, if you build it, they will come. Mm. And that's why when you were telling me about this recording studio, you were thinking of doing out of this barn. Yeah. I was like, go check out Sean Muller and Day Trotter and give people everything that they ever wanted and never ask for anything. Mm. And that's how you'll build the influence is... My favorite story about that guy is we wrote for the same newspaper at the same time called the Quad City Times. Yeah. He went on to create this record label called Day Trotter. And what he did is he held this amazing recording studio and he would have traveling acts come through. He would record them for free, create artwork for them for free and give them these awesome master tracks. And he would give them these recordings and they became really novel unique and amazing. And they were starting to share these to all these other streaming platforms. And they yeah. became they became quite famous from Sean's recordings at Day Trotter. Awesome. And then artists that were coming through, they would look forward to visiting the Day Trotter studios so they could come and record this awesome thing and have this artist make this cool little piece of art for them. So he sold that business for a lot of money, by the way. So the, my, the recording studio. The 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 brand Day Trotter. Wow. So my my advice is this is the best marketing advice I can give at anybody is give people what they want and sell them what they need. Mm. And it might be your ambition that you give. It might be your talent that you give, but eventually you're going to find out what to sell to people. Yeah. And that's the lifetime achievement award of becoming an entrepreneur is giving people what they want continuously and never looking for anything in return but figuring out what the marketplace needs and filling that gap. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You, I think we talked about it. Do you read uh, go giver that book? Yeah. I read that book and you can't outgive the giver. Right. And uh, that's also Ivan Meisner who started BNI mm. uh, business network international. He's actually done an interview with us on uh, Cairo hustle. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, he, he, he's an, an amazing man, but his philosophy behind that group is giver's gain. Yeah, give, give referrals to each other as a business group. And literally, that's all you do, which makes it so you get referrals, like, which is real life too, which is really how it, it really works in real life too. Even when you're not like forced to or in an organization for it, it's just like you give and people are like, damn, that guy's a good guy. And then people give stuff to you because you're a good guy. It's like, be nice, 
treat people as ways that you want to be treated. And then it's really magical how that does actually happen. That people are good people. And when you're good to them, they want to be good to you. And then good things happen. And it's just good things. So it's like, yes, that makes sense. It's, it's called the law of reciprocity. That's right. And benevolence. And when you give to other people, you become easily um, rewarded with good relationships. Mm. And I think that that's the part that most people, they always come to their hand like out with their hand like this to people. And sometimes we need to come to them with our arms like this. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what really transitions us from, there's an old saying to become no liked and trusted is from Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich. Yes, good one. But when you think about it, my 2020-isms is not to be known, liked, and trusted. It's to be known, loved, and trusted. And love is the greatest currency of all time. Mm. And if you start studying the different levels and laws of love, um, you'll start realizing that we all have a love language. Yep. And that the more that we can tap into that, that's probably the other greatest thing I can teach anybody about marketing. is start understanding the different uh, definitions of love and figure out how to communicate that to whoever's in your ecosystem. And when you figure that out, that's your soul genius. Mm. And a lot of times, you know, I've been in rooms full of multimillionaires. And the one thing that always is their greatest challenge, it's not the money, it's love. Mm -hmm. And it's not the money. It's relationships. Yes. And it's not the money. It's clarity. So people would trade all the money that they ever made for love, relationships, and clarity. Crazy. (laughs) All right, my man. Um, We both need to go to sleep. I think is important, at least for me tonight, but I know that you're tired too and you need to eat food and I also need to eat food. Are you ready to do like my five questions at the end and uh, and get out of here, man? And we'll definitely, obviously, stay connected after this because you are, um, you're awesome. To talk to man. Well, whatever I can do to help you out, um, I'm always here to uh, to serve. So I'll answer these five things and uh, I'll fly off into the sunset and uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll let you get some sleep. Cool. All right. So these five questions I always ask at the end. Cause I like hearing like after you've done a ton of episodes, like what all these different entrepreneurs and artists and creatives say based off their background. So, uh, the first one we kind of answer a little bit through the interview, but I like asking it pointed like this would be, why do you wake up and do what you do every single day versus any other thing that you could do on the planet? Well, that changed about two and a half years ago. And this is a little bit probably lengthier of an answer than you're probably looking for. I'll take it. But I started, I quit drinking alcohol two and a half years ago. I went and did this uh, immersion training called Men of Iron, where I spent a weekend doing Navy SEAL training in uh, Victoria, Canada. Oh my God. And what I realized was that we have greater capacity to refine ourselves and to forge ourselves into a better version of ourselves. So this event was called The Forge. And what I did ever since then is I have an accountability group that keeps me grounded and anchored so I don't drift mm-hmm. and sedate. But each day I eat something green or drink something green. I work out some way, whether it's 
25 push-ups or hiking a freaking mountain. I do affirmations, prayer, journaling, and things of that nature for my spirituality. So the first bit's called body. The second part is called uh, being, paying attention to the human being. Mm-hmm. And then the third part's called balance. And that's reaching out to two people each day, whether it's through calls, text message, Zooms, uh, mm. whatever it is, like connecting to your friends, family, colleagues. And then mm. the last part is business. So that's uh, learning something new. It could be reading a book, listening to a podcast, watching a YouTube video, and then you either teach or declare that. Mm. So throughout that process, why I wake up the way that I do each day, number one is because I've meditated every day for at least 20 minutes for the past two and a half years, and I don't uh, sedate or drink alcohol anymore. Cheers. So the best version of me gets to approach that question because I have so much enthusiasm to keep on doing better. And that's why I do everything that I do because I would do it for free. Awesome. I love that answer. I, yeah, I, I kind of got pieces of that. I think I listened to your podcast or I looked at stuff. I got it somehow. I heard you talk about the the man of iron piece and that was just really interesting piece. So um, that sounds intense. But what you pay attention to I always tell people this, what you pay for, you pay attention to. Yes, agreed. And if you pay for your own life, you should damn well pay attention to that. Couldn't agree more. My next question here would be, what is uh, along the way, like say you could take the mistake, the, the thing that you learned from the mistake and give that to someone, which I know that you can't truly do that without experiencing it, but say you had like a biggest mistake or something or biggest thing that you were like, Hey, five, 10 years ago, me, like, don't do this thing. What's something that people like should watch out for that you've seen along the way. You're like, Hey, well, don't do this. It's 16 year old me. Okay. And don't let your ego win when it comes right. to the party lifestyle. Um, one day you'll be old mm. and one day you'll look back and you'll think about why did I start doing drugs and drinking at 16 years old? Yeah, I mean, my ambition was to be the greatest soccer player in the world. And because I started drinking and doing drugs at 16 years old, it stopped me from being the best of the best. Okay. I still went on to play a high level. I played in Europe. I played in college level. But awesome. I'll tell people this. like, Don't sedate and drug yourself for the party lifestyle because eventually you'll realize that you wasted a lot of your time and your capabilities and your power. You'll leak your power by thinking that your ego's winning. Yep. That's very true. And there's a lot of things too, like having Jesse Harless on the show, like I'm working on, on his book. He's all about addiction. And uh, like you're talking about sedating, you're talking about uh, drugs and alcohol. Well, there's a lot of forms of addiction. There's a lot of things that can pull that power from you too that can be just like any all these escapism pieces it's like it's a very human thing like when it comes to like bad food or video games or like hanging out netflixing like all of these things in moderation or any of these things in moderation whatever your mindset is on those things but it's just like be aware that like there's a lot of different things that can be that for you that will sedate you that like that take you out of the game that that you're using for something different that you can maybe push it to moderation. I'm not telling everyone to stop drinking alcohol, stop doing drugs, stop 
playing video games, stop doing Netflix, like do whatever the fuck you want to do. But it's sneaky. Sedation is sneaky as shit. And it really quickly creeps into things everywhere. And it's not just one thing. It's just, it's, you're making, once again, like that choice of the day. It's like, these things are a choice of like, how much time am I going to allow this or how much power am I allowed to drain? Well, I, I just wanted to touch on a couple of things you said there. Number one, yeah. um, I really think when people consider living, a, have, creating a life worth living, I did this. I quit drinking. Mm-hmm. I haven't owned a television in almost 10 years. Wow. I can't tell you the last time I played a video game. Wow. Pro- probably Sega Genesis. Yeah. And I can't tell you the last time I watched Netflix or any of that stuff. Yeah. So you can choose what you actually pay attention to. That's right. And when I was a young man, I struggled through school and special classes with dyslexia. And I wasn't popular and I wasn't cool. I grew up super poor. My dad left when I was five. I was never supposed to be an educated man. But because of my abilities to play sports at a high level, that included me into being a cool kid, which my ego led me. And that's Mm. why I went down that path. Got it. So to tie it all up for people is you get a chance to choose what you have in your environment. Yes. And... Not having a TV, I love it. You know, not doing the things that give people the access to becoming who they want to become, I choose my own. Mm-hmm. So, you know, working out, eating right, keeping relationships strong, like those things matter to me now. So good. I think that that's a really good, you know, tie up the end of that answer for you with a bow on it. Yeah. No, I love that. And I, I've heard, uh, I, I have a TV but I have a bunch of friends that have gotten rid of theirs. And I'll say that even like, like I used to have a TV in my bedroom, right? And when like, I still have a TV in my house, but like even removing that TV from my bedroom, where I was like, I'm not fucking having a TV in my bedroom. And it changes, you just like lean on it. It just changes what you have the ability to like be, I don't know, to just like you're saying, you're removing it from the environment and it changes your options, it changes what's happening. That's something, all these things are, are, are a piece of your environment that have an effect, whether you know it or not. Literally having the TV in my bedroom, it would be on, it would distract me, it would control, just like you're talking about, the things that you focus your attention on. It would do that even though I wasn't consciously making that decision. It's because it was there, it was part of my environment. It was controlling attention and I've chosen, I chose not to do that. You feel it. And it's like, even right now, like uh, this, this year I've been trying, um, I don't answer emails or texts before noon. And that has changed. That has changed the way that I, I, I now really with that, like, feel like I control my day more. Like, I, I feel like we get bombarded by things like as a marketer, like, you know how it is. We get bombarded by things. People watching this right now, people listening to podcasts, people on and everything we're bombarded more than the human race has ever been bombarded with stimulation this is our time right now and it's an amazing time to live but we are bombarded with things and i feel like things bombard you and they control they make you like shift like how you're going to focus your day and like how things are happening but they don't have you own your day and you own whatever it is that you're supposed to be here for and whatever you're supposed to be about and it's been helping me make a conscious decision more of like I want to help all these people, these people that are texting me, these people that I love, people that I want to help, whatever. 
or emails that I need to address, all that shit needs to get addressed. All of that's going to be hit up in that day. I'm still really quick on communication, but I'm, I'm controlling what I'm trying to do for that day. And all of these things are going to get involved in my day. But I, I, that has helped me. That's been like my TV piece, but I love what you're saying about this environment, attention. All of that is just normal human reaction. It's normal human living. And we have control on how that plays out. Well, here's, here's the thing on top of that is like, don't let yourself have your time units ambushed by someone else's wants. Yes. And I think a lot of times people don't know how to like classify their time units mm-hmm. of saying, Hey, don't fuck with me before noon. Yeah. Like you're, you're a really special human. If I get on the phone with you before 10 a.m. my time. Yep. Like, if that's my meditation, that's my affirmation, that's my prayer time. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my morning walk time. Like if I call you, it's, it's because you need me. Mm. And that's when I make myself available for that communication with people. Sure. I don't make myself available for people that need me at that time. So I think it's really important to segment your time to where people aren't able to fuck with you until yeah. you're ready to be fucked with. That's right. Yes. I love that. Just the way you said it. It's a very simple way that you said it, but it's just like, exactly. Until you're ready to be fucked with. <laughs> That's so on point. All right. Well, all right. Flip side of that would be what along the way has been the best thing that you did? Like you're like 10 out of 10 would recommend doing this. Like you should do this thing tomorrow. Well, I recommend everybody this. I just went through this program. Um, it's self-imposed, but it's called 75 Hard. Are you familiar with that? Mm-mm. So it's 75 straight days of two workouts a day. Each are 45 minutes long. One has to be outside. It's designed to create mental toughness. Mm. You read 10 pages out of a book each day. It could be self-improvement books, um, whatever. Like this Gary Vee book I just read. Yeah. Um, so you read 10 pages. You take a progress photo each day. You drink a gallon of water. Follow a uh, diet plan, which I did no sugar. The other thing is... Uh, no cheap meals and no alcohol. Wow. Okay. So I did 75 days of that. And I just finished this past uh, Thursday or Friday, one of those days when I was on the road. Congratulations. So I went to Puerto Rico on it. I went to multiple like trips, like flying and driving places. So there's no excuses. Anybody can do it. Doesn't matter how busy you are. Yep. yep. But I think one of the most pivotal things I've done recently was 75 hard, which I just graduated with. You know, a couple of days ago. So, Congrats. if you miss one of the things, if you don't drink enough water, if you don't read your ten pages, if you don't take the progress photo, if you cheat on your plan of eating, if you don't do the two forty-five minute workouts, one outside, you start over. Mm. So, I was able to summit my attempt on the first go, which is a huge achievement and a huge like push to show people that even ordinary people can do extraordinary shit. One hundred percent. I'm going to have to try that sometime. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Uh, what would be, because you're clearly reading and all these things like that, what would be a resource that you'd recommend to the audience? Could be a book, YouTube series, podcast, like what's something, it could be a couple things, but like what's some stuff that people should should check out? Well, I'm not self-serving in this aspect. Um, watch our first movie, Chiropractic, the documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, watch our first movie, Ghost Tapes. 
um, see our early genesis of how we've actually started becoming a creative team. Mm. But when it comes to like learning from not being self-serving, um, I would recommend everybody every year read Think and Grow Rich yep. and How to Win Friends and Influence People. Great books. If you did those two things annually, um, actually, this is something else I, I did this past year that was like a huge challenge for me. Yeah, I read I read the the greatest salesman in the world, hmm. which is I haven't a, read that. It's, it's a group of scrolls of ten scrolls written by a guy named Og Mandino, hmm. and, and the instructions are you go through one scroll for thirty days, reading it three times a day. Damn! So I did that previously to all this other shit. So I was reading the greatest salesman in the world three times a day, two times silent, one time out loud, and. That was a huge achievement for me too. So I'd recommend anybody that really wants to get to the pinnacle of like their lifestyle is go and make a stop doing list. Stop doing shit that doesn't make you money. Stop yep. doing shit that doesn't enrich your relationships. Yep. And stop doing shit that makes you cheap, fast, or easy. Yes. So any of that shit, remove. And then start pushing yourself to be more consistent with your time units. And Think and Grow Rich, How to Win Friends and Influence People, and read The Greatest Salesman in the World three times a day for the next 10 months. Okay. There it is, guys. That is Jim's stuff right there. All right. Last question, man. This is the easiest. Where do people keep up with you? Where do they keep up with uh, influencer authority and what you're doing there? Well, it's, it's an upstart. And we just had to retool our Instagram page. So there will be the Influencer Authority Podcast Instagram page. But with us, my, my house that I live in is uh, Cairo Hustle. Um, check me out. If anybody wants to stay in touch with me, DM me on Facebook. I'm easy to find. I have about 50 friend slots open before I hit my 5,000 mark again. So I go through and curate that list like every like three months and remove people that I haven't had interaction with. So if you guys want to connect with me, it's Facebook, number one. That's where I've been living for the past seven years. Yeah. And before that, I wasn't even on social media. So just to let people know that you can create an empire of, of media influence in seven years, if that's really what you want. Hell yeah. Cool. All right. So people out there who have been watching on live stream, thank you. And people who are listening on podcasts, all of the things that he said are going to be in the show notes, including some of those YouTube videos that I'm going to go watch, Jim, and I'll let you know, <laughs> are going to be in the show notes on here. And Jim, like, I know that I was on on yours. Thank you once again for that. But like, dude, thank you for even when you're tired and like not full of food, like hanging out on my show and shooting the shit with me, man. Like this was awesome. And you 100% are right. Like if you are in Maine or the East coast, hit me up. I will tour you around. I will buy you a lobster roll and a beer or not a beer. I'll buy you a lobster roll and a green drink. Cause I also like that too. And, uh, I will let you know if I'm in Denver, man. Yeah, and you know, for for me, my my tagline for Cairo Hustle is "You're just one story away. Keep hustling." Mm. And I think that that translates to everybody's life, is you're just one story away. And uh, if people just live by that a little bit more, they'll realize that you're interesting. We're all interesting, and yeah. we all we all have the ability to uh, become friends. And that's yes. the thing I love most about you, Dave, is you've opened your life to be my friend. So. Um, I don't want that to ever not be acknowledged. And I think that that's probably your strongest play in this world right now as just meeting you mm. is uh, you're a good person and you're friendly and uh, you're doing great work out there. So 
Um, Thank you, I man. Also, I, I also want to acknowledge you. I appreciate you. Right back at you, Jim. I, I, I feel, I feel like when I invite people onto my show, obviously I got to be on your show is how we met, but I feel energy from people. And I just know, like, I didn't even know, like you were like, I didn't not chiropractor right now. I didn't even know that before we had the show today. I knew that we would have a good conversation though, because I can feel it. And that's it. Like, I just, I, I absolutely, I feel when someone is a, a great person and they're up to some stuff that should be shared and, and everyone does have a story that everyone's interesting because people are people and they're, they have such, everyone's completely individual. So it's interesting to hear how all of this shit happens all the time. Cause it's crazy, <laughs> crazy stuff. <laughs> right. Well, I'm just the guy from Iowa that loves his mom and now she's in heaven. So I think that that's a good way to close out. And uh, sure. I think I think that the more time that we pay uh, acknowledgement to people that helped us become who we are mm. is uh, it's really the the greatest story we could ever live is um, appreciating those that help you become who you are. Fire, cool. All right, guys, that's episode one fifteen of the show. <laughs>